0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpowercom awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Tony Evans of the Evening Standard and Tom Hopkinson of the Sunday Mirror. Got a quiet weekend planned? Me neither. It's not every day England are in a winnable World Cup quarter-final. Sweden will be obdurate, unyielding. But Gareth Southgate's team, and it is a team, has great mental strength. Sure, there are weaknesses, but they play for each other. Belief is total.
2: Destiny calling, Tony? Well, maybe not quite destiny, but there is opportunity. And I think given the way the tournament's opened up and the way the teams I've got through, there is a chance, uh, I think it's still an outside chance, but you know, England haven't played well yet, and there are players there, and there is peace there. That gives them a shot at this winning it? Mm. It's sort of a
1: almost an unreal experience, being favourite to the World Cup quarter-final for England anyway. Can they handle that expectation, do you think?
3: Well, being in a quarter final at the World Cup is uh, a bit of a, a new experience <laughs> for uh, a lot of us. Being favourites in it, yes, I do think they can. Uh, I think there's a belief in the squad that, as you said earlier, you know, it, it's just total... Are they favourites? I mean, that for me is the question, though. I mean, I, I think a lot of people will will look at Sweden. Um, and I look at the game and I think it's actually a tougher game. I was more confident going into the Colombia game that uh, we could get a result against Colombia because I was expecting a more open and expansive game from the Colombians than I, I am against the the Swedes. I mean, you, you look at the way they qualified for the World Cup, 180 minutes against mm-hmm. Italy. Italy failed to score against them. This England team is not making chances by the bucket load. Was it two goals from nine from open play? Not great numbers at all. So I think it's a a good, solid game to go into in terms of confidence, but I'm not going in there bubbling away thinking this is a, a straight path into the semis.
2: And England's strength is pace... And, uh, and they'll nullify that Sweden by sitting deep. Mm. There'll be no room in the uh, final pairs. And I expect it's one of those where you open for Harry Kane to do something outrageous and get a half chance
3: and make the most of it. Just like the last four games.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah.
2: But if you look at Sweden, you
1: know, they are men with a plan, aren't they, really? They have a tried and tested policy. Pretty old, experienced players who know it's their last chance. It's quite a
2: good combination. Oh yeah, yeah. By all accounts, they were all popping champagne corks when uh, Ibrahimovic retired from international yeah. football. The same way as PSG players were when when he left it. club to go to Manchester United, they're a unit and they really work hard for each other I mean in many ways that reflects where England do, there's a lack of penetration with Sweden a lack of goal scoring ability, they're not going to hit you, but you know the thing which worries me is England's propensity to shoot themselves in the foot at the back and this um, at times when they're trying to play the ball out from the defence and you know, and everyone's saying oh this is great, this is wonderful to watch I'm I'm like on the edge of my seat going
1: (laughs) waiting for disaster there's The
3: rick there isn't there with with that.
1: Yeah, but credit where it's due, uh, you know, I think John Stones and Harry Maguire, in particular in this World Cup, have grown up. I'm with you on Stones' pre-World Cup, where you did think that, as you say, there's a mistake in here somewhere. I think he's matured.
3: Yeah, he has. I, I mean, definitely over the last couple of years, the, the difference in him is unbelievable. And and as you say, even in the short period of three or four weeks since they first reported for the World Cup, it's it, there's definite, you know, you see the characters coming over. I mean, I, I love the, uh, there was a clip on the internet of him going over to introduce himself to Glenn Hoddle after mm. the game the other night. And Harry Maguire followed as well. I think Trippier did later as well. And and you're, you're absolutely right. There is sort of a confidence. What I particularly liked, actually, it didn't seem to get mentioned in too many, so much everything else going, Going on there was a, a moment when just after backer had come on backer fouled him from behind and went down and then tried to offer him the hand and in what I can only imagine was Broad Barnsley John stones <laughs> told him exactly what he thought of it refused Ooh. to take his hand it was very much a you know I'm not having that you know you're, you' you you might want to kick me and then shake my hand and think you're going to mm. undermine me make me look a bit weak but I'm not having that and, and that was that was lovely and he
1: also gave the Colombians a volley in the immediate he moment, why there's that of great victory, photo, is not there? Yeah,
3: them both looking at Barrios, wasn't it? The lad who headbutted Jordan Henderson. And I mean, fantastic. But you know, you you've got two proper hard as nails Yorkshire boys, if, if nothing else at the back, who are two very very talented footballers. But I am with Tony on this one. We don't always agree uh, on things, <laughs> me and Tony. But but I'm completely with you. That you know, you, when you see them playing it around a bit, you know, you might get away with it for 90 minutes. You might get away with it against Panama or Tunisia, but against a Croatia, against a Brazil. Mm. France, that's yeah. going to be a much more difficult thing to do and, and, and thing to do without getting caught out and you only need to get caught out once against one of those yeah. sides and it could be once too many.
1: Is this a no more Mr Nice Guy scenario? You know, There were elements of gamesmanship that England indulged in during that game. Mm. You know, We like to think ourselves of holier than thou and not like those cheating South Americans stroke Eastern Europeans, whatever you want to say. Is this now a modern, almost realistic
2: football team? Well, I hope so. I, don't, I still think they're a bit naive. People want to see uh, England as white than white. You know, you need a snide in the team. You know, I, I love all that. You know, it's, uh, I, I really enjoyed what Columbia did. You know, you need to disrupt people. You need to knock them off the game. And, you know, it's one of those things, you know, simple things when other teams are getting on top. You know, Ferguson always did it. Mm. Have a player go down foul them all the time, you know, rotate your fouls. I don't think England are as good at it as some of the other sides, in but, yeah, I think um, I think they need a little bit of it, and, um, and I think that'd be good for them, certainly once they get to this
3: stage of the tournament. You think back to the best domestic sides we've, we've seen over recent years, you know, your Manchester United's when you'd got Roy Keane going mm. in there and, and mixing it up when they needed to, Vieira's at Arsenal, you know. Every cracking team mm. needs to be able to play football very well, which this England team... Not quite there yet, but it looks like it's coming. It looks like maybe in you know in the next two or three years that will happen. But you need that bit of spite as well. Yeah. In mean, Manchester City as well, you know, you, you're telling me that Fernandinho and uh, the likes haven't put their Ooh. foot in. And, and you know, if, if a team comes to you and they want to play football, great, we'll play you football. Yeah. You want to come and have a scrap, we'll do that as well.
1: I think this team is is undercooked by a couple of years. I think mm. we will see the best of this England team in either Euros in in 20 or in the World Cup in 2022. So there is room for improvement. How key has
2: Gareth Southgate's personality been in the development up to this point? I I think he's been brilliant for them. I mean, he's great to deal with. He's very direct. He's a good communicator. He won't clutter the minds. Uh, He's not the greatest tactician, as we saw uh, against Colombia. I think his substitutions were but well, frankly awful, but he's got quiet confidence and he's been there and done it. You know, this is a man who missed a penalty, you know, in the in the biggest game England has had for, well, you know, you could argue it was even bigger than the World Cup semi-final in the, in the Tournament at home, you know, one of them, uh, against Germany. So he's been there, he's done it. It felt he, quite
3: sweet for him, didn't it? That, yeah. You know, I think everyone would have been very pleased for him. Yeah, definitely. that penalty.
2: And the thing is, he's a nice person. You can't say that about... The England managers
3: of the past, yeah. certainly, a uh, in my experience, it treats you know. people properly. That's the point with him. Yeah. You know, he's, he's he is just a mm. proper human being, and what you see is what you get. I mean, don't get me wrong. There there will be a, a nasty side to him. There has to be, mm. but it's always a constructively yeah. nasty side. You know, he's not going to ball someone out just for the sake of it. But then, you know, whether you're in the press, whether you're a, a fan, whether you're one of his players, whether you're part of the backroom staff, whether you're one of the higher ups at the FA, he manages. Everyone, very, very well. He,
2: he lets people know. But you look, at, you
1: look at his ruthlessness, and let's look at Wayne Rooney. Where are you now? He's gone to the, the States with barely a, a whisper or a comment. Yeah. And basically that was a, a decision that managers were afraid of.
3: Yeah, I mean dealing
1: with Wayne Rooney on his own terms. But
3: but it's one of the most difficult jobs in in football, isn't it? That for a manager, you know, you again you just to yeah. refer it to a, a, a domestic team side. You know, you think of the the managers coming in at Chelsea when mm. when the great players there. I mean, Alex Ferguson did it brilliantly. Managed those, you know, he knew when his players were yeah. at the end, and and there was only ever one winner. There was a there was an argument, or mm. in some cases there wasn't even an argument. He just made the decision, and they were gone. Yeah. And I think Gareth Southgate has worked with some great managers over the years, and, and I know a lot's been made of mm. the Terry Ven. Influence on him, and and uh, you know when I think back to my most enjoyable time as being a, a fan of England, uh, mm-hmm. Terry Venables that that Euro '96 time was was when it was at its absolute peak because you got the same feeling with him, you got the same feeling from the players that they were there and mm-hmm. enjoying it, but you got the same feeling from Terry Venables as well that this was a bloke that everyone could relate to, and and as when you look back at Svenner and Eriksson now. And I, I saw him a couple of weeks ago and did a piece with him. And he's a, he's a lovely fella, Sven, and, and very interesting to listen to. Still still desperate in his 70s to get back into management, which I, I find crazy. But um, he did very well, actually, as, as England manager. But Capello, there was always that distance mm. with him. And, and because of, you know, whether it's because Gareth English is his first language or whatever the character trait is, he's just made this whole England team far more accessible. Well, and and, and he's him also himself.
1: killed the myth of a celebrity foreign manager, hasn't he?
3: Oh yeah, without a doubt. Um,
2: international management is a different set of skills to club management, and and that's clear. The thing is, you don't need someone to come in with a big reputation and a big paycheck. You've got you've got to listen to this fellow because he has uh, all the theories. It's simple, and the, the the thing that gets me about Southgate is it's always. Really simple, straightforward. You compare him to, to Roy Hodgson, where nothing was straightforward. The players didn't understand what they were supposed to be doing. You know, there was confusion everywhere. With Southgate, everyone knows what the job is, everyone knows what, they, what they've got to do. There's no philosophy there except go out, work for each other. And play.
3: But he's not a yes man though is he? I mean, oh, no, think at all, back no. to he was it was about 10 years ago or maybe a little bit more recently he was the head of elite development at the FA. Mm. Didn't like the way it was panning out, mm. didn't like the way the the suits the higher ups wanted him to mm. to interact with other people. Said no, this this, well, uh, this also, job isn't for me. I'm going. And, and
1: here's someone who was a, who turned down the chance to be an England caretaker manager. Quite not, right. And, not in my plan.
3: Not yeah. not not part of what I want to do. So he's not just going to you know, he's not just doing what those above him want yeah, him to do. He,
1: he, sorry, Tony, but he, he, he talks about, you know, the importance of the mental game and trusting in the process and all those sort of journey. jargon phrases that we... Beyond that, is he all about just common sense? Prepare as well as you can,
2: do your scouting, do your preparation, get on with it. All these buzzwords sound good and, you know, it's, it's, uh, they can get you out of answering real questions to to a large extent, but, yeah... Everything is straightforward and simple. And I think that's the the best thing about the way Southgate is doing things. Everything at the moment is
1: depending on on Harry Kane. And he's carrying that burden brilliantly. Yeah. But if you're looking at six goals, he's only had nine shots over the tournament so far. I read a piece by Ollie Kane in The Times where he basically said he's only received 79 passes so far in, in, in all the games we've played over there. The service has got to improve, hasn't it?
3: That is the problem position. I mean, when, when you think about the games that Harry Kane has played, I actually thought the other night the, the Columbia game was his, was his best game of the tournament because you know, he didn't get the goals that maybe he got in the Panama game. But he was brilliant. You know, he worked his socks off, led the line superbly, was kicked from pillar to post. And he, he invited the three or four behind him to push on, get closer to him. And they're just not doing that. And, and that is a real problem, I think, Sterling, I know we'll, we'll, we'll look at Sterling in a bit more depth, but he, you know he's not getting to the byline as much as he should do. Neither is Jesse Lingard as well. Mm. You know Lingard was was excellent in three group games, and, and I, I just want to see him running at defenders a little bit more than they are doing. And and, and we're lacking someone with an incisive pass as well, Ali. Mm. Uh, he looks off the pace. He just doesn't look like he's, he's not fit. Is he? Doesn't no. look fit. No. no, and he's he's not. I think maybe Lingard is the closest of those three to doing what he does at club level but I just don't think Sterling and uh, Ali are quite replicating or anywhere near actually replicating the form that we know they're capable of
2: and Jordan Henderson in midfield is is a will-and-runner he's done a great job but he's not the sort of man who will unlock a defence who no. will knock the ball through to Harry Kane it's a big burden on Kane I was, I was very disappointed against Colombia to see if, uh, certainly after the substitutions about 10 minutes ago how deep Kane dropped um, and, you know, sort of Vardy was that was the front man Kane was
3: effectively an auxiliary midfielder. That looked almost Kane's fitness, though, didn't it? That he mm. was almost dropping mm. in because he'd run himself into the ground, which, again, was a mm. worry, given that the, the whole reason for resting him against yeah. Belgium was so, you know, you would expect him to be able to last 120 but, but minutes. you know,
2: you, you need an attacker like that. It sounds counterintuitive, but you've got to do less running. Mm. You know, it's... Um,
0: More you know, sensible you, running, you, Use
2: yeah. space wisely, mm. you know. It's, uh, which is what all, all the choose, great um,
1: South American teams have done.
3: Yeah, but the statistics that you've just mentioned, Mike, would suggest that Kane overall is doing that. I, I just think, look, he was up against a, mm. a better defence, uh, and, and don't, let's not forget, he was up against David Sanchez, his club teammate, who knows a lot of the runs that he likes to make. He's with him on the on the field a couple of times a week. He's with him on the training pitch most days, so it's not as easy to play against one of mm. your own teammates as you'd imagine. Let's look at a
1: broader point. Harry Kane has benefited from an apprenticeship in the lower leagues. I think it's interesting that Steve Holland, who I think is an underrated member of Gareth Southgate's staff, Okay, we know him from his work at Chelsea, but he was brought up through the whole crew system. And it was interesting that that Southgate made a point to his players, remember where you've come from. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: How important is
2: the Football League in producing a team that the nation can be proud of? Well, I think it's really important. I mean, with, with, without that infrastructure, without that network and without the opportunity to play, Kane wouldn't be half the player he is now. Tottenham tried to, tried to get rid of him so many times mm. sent him down to, you know, to football league teams. But that's where he developed, he grew, he matured as a player and a person. And, and we're seeing the benefits now. I think the loan system I have quibbles about. But I think it really is important for a young player to get playing time, an important step on the development. I mean, you wonder whether Raheem Sterling would have been better if he would have gone to a lower level and played there for a portion of his career and got the
3: experience there. It's where boys are made men, isn't it? Yeah. I mm. mean, you know, that. And I think you look at, we look at some <coughs> of the uh, duggery and, and dirty tricks that the Colombians used, but mm. I promise you, a lot of the stuff that was going on on that field was, uh, uh, a mate of mine, Guy Branston, the things he would have done to a, a young <laughs> lad coming <laughs> through the ranks in, in years in League Two. You learn to deal with all those sorts of tricks, you know, mm. The, the, mm. the defenders rubbing the boot down the back of your Achilles, the little pinches under your arms as they're lifting you up and helping yeah you up and I think it's vital. I, I'm not so sure about Sterling because I, I, I just think, obviously he was at QPR for a little while, I know mm. part of the academy, I think he's flourished well with the moves he's made at, at Liverpool and Manchester mm. City and I'm not sure that he's the type of player who would have benefited from being kicked from pillar to post as yeah. some of them have, but it certainly worked for Kane, it's worked for mm. Lingard as well.
1: What does he need to do to deflect the doubters who are out there? I know there is an agenda against him, I, I, I've got a real belief in that. But if you look at Sterling, what has he got to
2: do to say, look, I belong in this team? I thought he played reasonably well against Colombia. What he did, which people don't appreciate, is he draws players to him, he creates space for other people. His crossing hasn't been great, his shooting was awful and there are two parts of his game he can work on. But when he picks the ball up and runs at people, he causes havoc. They've got to get him on the ball a bit deeper then he gets it to it. Not with his back to goal, yeah. on the, although he, he, he wriggles really well and, you know, turns people. But he needs to pick up the ball, what, 40 yards out and run Together. at defences, yeah. Mm. And then then we'll see space opening up. He doesn't necessarily have to beat a man, but he just has to be direct and, and get towards them and bring those centre-earths or a full-back, bring them into him, drag a midfielder behind and just open up the space because... Um, you know, the, the one thing Columbia did is, is worked really well at denying England space and I'll tell you what, it'll be even more crucial against
3: Sweden. Set, who, it'll it'll be... set up for him against Sweden actually yeah, yeah. and I don't know mm. about you two but I was, I was watching the game the other night and a couple of times he picked up the ball outside the area and you, you're willing him to score because you're thinking go on, mm. change the narrative about, you know make mm. this about you, seize this mm. moment the way things have gone for him uh, you know, the way he's been made the scapegoat, whether mm. it's, you know, a lot of people say, oh it's Liverpool fans still gutted about what, you know, the fact that he left them but you know it could change the whole perspective the whole way he's seen if he does something there's that one moment of magic in the next game and it'll be fantastic for him if he does mm. you
1: know when I said the the England team looks a bit undercooked if, if you look at one of the central pillars of this team playing through at the back that was only introduced against Germany in March 2017 and that was Michael Keane, Smalling and Cahill in that three now obviously it's three completely different players now Is that system here to stay? And is it something you think
2: is a strength or a potential weakness? Well, I think it's a strength in the sense that it's a way of using your wing-backs, getting your full-backs forward. And that's really crucial to the way England want to play. Uh, It's a strength in the sense that you look at them, if they played 4-4-2, you'd be a bit, oh, I don't know about that. It's not a good defence. You know, I mean, let's be honest. If (laughs) good teams are going to cause havoc against that defence. For all Maguire and Stones, for all the plays well and all the mature, and as you say, they're undercooked, they're not quite there. The wing-backs are a little, you know, you can get behind them. So I think it's the best system for this group of players, and I think it's been very astute of Southgate to actually see that so late on and say, OK, we're going to commit ourselves to this, and I think we're going to see it certainly... For the foreseeable future.
3: We've probably been a little bit negative about it as well. I mean, there have been some resounding successes. I mean, the way Kieran Trippier has played. It, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Been, that penalty was been, terrific. Oh, it? It's fantastic. But and, and he deserved that for the way I, th- I think Gary Neville said after the game actually, didn't he? You know, you you again you're willing him to score not just because <laughs> it's an England penalty, but because you don't want someone who has been as positive and, and has played so well as him to all of a sudden be the person who's on the receiving end of, of the negative side of it as well. Trippier and Kane are probably the two who are coming out of it and Pickford, of course, now Mm. coming out of it with the most glory. But I think I think it's probably important, you know, everything we're saying now, is constructive. Yes, the defence has played okay, but it does need to raise its game another level.
2: Well, I, th- I think you look. You know, we, we talk about Trippier, and everyone's says oh, he's, he's had a great World Cup. He's had a great World Cup going Go forward. forward yeah. And the problem is, you worry about when they are on the back foot against good teams. Are they going to be able to perform at that level as a unit? I, I, I've got severe concerns <laughs> about that.
1: On on that wider point, how much is English football? in the debt of Mauricio Pochettino because of his ability or his willingness to trust young English talent?
3: I wouldn't say that English football is in Mauricio Pochettino's debt but it's certainly been uh, it's certainly been well received the work he's done and, and the fact that he has put his faith in uh, young English players and I hope it's something that other managers look mm. at and, and say do you know what What's been key is the fact that they've identified those players as well. You know, I remember thinking when when I heard that uh, he'd he'd had a, a, a little meeting um, or spoken to uh, Trippier and all above board. I'm, I'm led to believe. Oh, yeah. uh, but I remember thinking, why? You know, Trippier, yeah, good player, but you've got Kyle Walker. I don't understand mm. that, and yet. Completely. I mean, that's obviously why he's paid four or five million pounds a year, whatever it is, to manage Tottenham. Yeah. Because, but the way he's identified those players, and 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 Spurs need great credit as well. You know, Deli Ali. remember when he went from MK Dons. You're, you're mm. thinking, well, all right, you've signed him. Beaten Liverpool to sign him, we're probably going to loan him back now. But it was never the case. Now oh. he's coming to play football here, and we are going to put our faith in him. So I think they've they've really prospered from working with Pochettino as well because his his man management. Mm. I mean, there are many many traits that he shares with Gareth Southgate actually in in terms of that man management. You know that that being very personable, very open. It's all about you know these crazy handshakes that we see that the mm. three of us probably look at and think. From, we're from a different uh, mm. age entirely to that. That's all through him. You know, you shake hands with every one of your teammates, mm. every one of your work colleagues every morning when you come in. It's about creating this group ethos, and that has, you know, it has mm. paid dividends for England. But mm. I think the way the group have got themselves together, and it could, you could, we could have said there's a Tottenham clique there. There's five or six of them. But I think all the players, the whole group, need a lot of credit. And Harry mm. Kane and Jesse Lingard. Mm probably particularly need a lot of credit. And Cahill, as well as the elder statesman, Mm. bringing everyone together and making sure that lessons have been learned from the past.
1: Yeah, but togetherness crosses boundaries, doesn't it? So you look at that Sweden team and they've got the same sort of traits. Mm. Forsberg, the Leipzig winger, looks to be the most obvious threat. Do you see England being vulnerable on the counter?
2: Well, yeah, they are. Uh, you, You wonder whether... Sweden actually have the firepower to hurt them. I mean, I think they're more likely to look to to profit from set plays, from you know, to, from corners. They they just lack a bit of a cutting edge. Uh, they'll, they'll be really solid, and that's why it's so crucial that England don't make mistakes at the back, playing the ball out, don't make a blunder, don't give them. Don't for give them an opportunity minutes as
3: well. I mean, that that yeah. was the one. You know, that was obviously the down the downfall on against Colombia was was that set piece. They switched off for one minute. I think that's the point we've been making, isn't yeah. it? Throughout that this defence and whether it's just the the three at the back, whether it's the five of them or the whole team in terms of a defensive unit, there is there is a mistake. And and Sweden are the sort of side who will punish you if you give and them that opportunity.
2: They won't press like, for example, a Klopp team. But but they're very good at situational pressing. So they'll look for opportunities, they'll look for crucial times in the game, you know, before half time, uh, before full time, to, to put pressure on. When a, a little ball's looped up, you know, when, when it's going to be out to control, then they'll press, they'll put pressure on. And that's where England's have got to be
3: They're actually a better aware. version of what England used to be. You know, we, we would be quite mm. a functional team, but we didn't get results, and, mm. and it was pretty awful to watch. Now, I'm not saying Sweden is, like, watching Brazil or France or a team like that, but they are a level up from where England used to be with that functionality. Mm. That What's England's uh, record against them? I mean, it's not great, is it? I know mm. I know they we won one game against mm. them in the Sven years and the rest were draws. I think we've won twice in... in no, recent. nine years. Games. And and it's, you know, so that tells its own story.
1: The story of this World Cup is its unpredictability. Now, the winners of the England tie will go on and face either Russia or Croatia who meet in Sochi on Saturday. What are the limits of patriotism and the limits of the advantage that you get by being a home nation? Because you look at that Russia team and you think, how on earth have they got there?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you only have to go back and look at World Cups. You know, we're talking about Sweden, go back to 1958 and they made the final. You look at the the home advantage, it's massive. We all have concerns about the... uh... The energy levels, let's say, of the Russian team and, you know, probably a, a little bit Putin-inspired effort, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll all end up at Siberia FC if the, <laughs> Well, they would have if they would have gone out in the group stage. They're national heroes now, aren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and they're at home, so they're sort of in a comfortable environment, which, which is an awful lot to do.
3: Their, their manager deserves a lot of credit. Again, managed expectations. Mm. We are the worst Russian football team you have seen <laughs> for your lives. No-one expected them to do anything and then they go away and they pump Saudi Arabia in the first game and all of a sudden, it, it, yeah. it's changed the way everyone's looking at it. It's just just very clever.
2: It's yeah. hard to see them beating Croatia. Uh,
3: Croatia's last game, though. It's hard to see them beating the Croatia side who started the group phase mm-hmm. so well, but the, they, I thought they looked a bit shorn of ideas in the last game.
1: But if you look at the character that, that Modric showed mm-hmm. and you look at the promise of someone like Rebic up front who you know has Correct already that. been linked with uh, a move to Bayern Munich
2: and his that's old manager... They should have too much for them, shouldn't they? Yeah, you'd think so. But, you know, who thought Russia would get this far? Mm-hmm. And, and I, again, it, people underestimate the effect of travel and being away from home and living out of a suitcase for athletes, any athletes, you know, mm-hmm. sort of tennis players, football players, and the fact that you've got to live with this sort of itinerant sort of lifestyle and perform and the Russians are in their own environment and you know it it makes you very very comfortable and it makes things easier. France
1: free
3: Uruguay will the winners of the World Cup come from that game? There's a very good chance yeah France given what we've we've seen so far um, I, I just I think they're mo- they're moving through the gears aren't they as, as the tournament goes on and that is an absolute positive for them you know they were they came together with question marks over whether they were a team whether they were just some very mm-hmm. talented individuals they looked very much like the talented individuals with questionable mentality in the mm-hmm. the first game and game against argentina i mean that just showed a real strength not only of character but of the strength in depth in terms of the personnel that they've got um, we saw Kylian mbappe coming through and sort of announcing himself if you like on the world stage and we mm-hmm. We we know we know he's a great young player anyway, but it was the game where he really said, "Look, take the ball by the horns here." Mm. Um, And and they are a very very talented side. I I think Uruguay. I think a lot will depend on on um, Cavani's fitness. I think I've always said with Cavani that if you if you're a young striker or the parent of a young striker, watch his movement. And because I've I've never seen a striker who gets into positions and moves like him. Not always his finishing uh, Mm. isn't isn't always the best, and yet. In the, uh, the last 16, he scored those two wonderful goals, didn't he, that um, perhaps mm. said that there shouldn't be too many question marks over it. But I think the, the winner of the tournament, there's a very good chance it comes from that game. Mm.
2: This Pogba fella, where's he come from? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, there's pace and power. Manchester United should buy him, shouldn't they? Yeah, they should. You know, I mean, he's unbelievable, you know, sort of getting forward, strong, powerful. Where's he
3: been the last couple of seasons? That one performance—he's he, playing now like he did in that forty-five minutes in the second half against Manchester City—and mm. that is that is the Pogba that you pay ninety odd million pounds for. That is the Pogba that, as a manager, you go to your chief exec, your your chairman, and you mm. say, "Whatever it takes, you sign that player, and we'll get him playing like that every week." United aren't doing that, but if he has, if he comes away as a as a World Cup winner, then United are in in a great position for next season because the confidence that that will give him. And going into that is it, it will just be immeasurable.
2: The De Deschamps have taken a lot of stick over you know, the last mm. couple of years and quite rightly so. But he set this team up to get the best out of Pogba mm. and um you know perhaps a, a certain Jose Mourinho might look at it and think oh I have a rethink you know instead of I need to go and sign Kanté. Drop, yeah. drop back drop back
1: Kanté I've never ever seen him have a bad game have you?
3: No. No, not certainly not that I can remember. Certainly you're never, ever going to mark him less than a seven out of 10 in your your Mm. player ratings, are you? He's a phenomenal athlete. He's just vital to any team that he plays for. and, And that is the true measure of the man. What about the
1: coaches? You mentioned Deschamps. Let's look at Oscar Tabarez, 71 years old, 38 years a manager, 16 jobs, this could be the culmination of an amazing career, couldn't it? That most
2: people aren't really aware of is Bobby Dali. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's amazing. You look at it and the way he sets the team up, they play very much to the strengths. You know, they're, it's a, uh, it's got, they've got the spine, haven't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. They've, they've got the spine, they've got nows, they've got a, a little bit of cynicism in there. You know, it's a, a little, yeah, it's just a, a little. little. A it's a game plan without any frills. They're probably not the most exciting team ever you know they but they're going to grind you down they're going to make life uncomfortable for you when you've got the ball and when they've got the ball get it forward yeah. quickly
1: all well, right go down do you think he's the best defender on form in the world at the moment
3: there's there's certainly an argument for it yeah i mean i i, I still think the best defender on the planet if i was if i was given if i was a football manager and i was given an unlimited chequebook ramos would be the one i'd go and sign ahead of godan but i think you can certainly say Form-wise, he's, he's playing superbly, but Tony's absolutely right about the spine of that team and, and, a, and a lot of the character of that team, which you can imagine comes from Tabarez to Godan. you know, oh. in the back, right, you're the one who is, you've got everything, you can see the whole picture in front of you oh, yeah. and if someone's not, trying, someone's not working hard enough, he's the man that the manager is looking to to, to get him yeah. going. And I think with Cavani and Suarez at the other end of the field as well, that it, it's just the balance that Uruguay have got is when, when the three of them are all fit mm. is absolutely perfect. Mm.
1: As you say, probably Cavani's fitness will be decisive in this one. Brazil-Belgium, it's Brazil's seventh consecutive quarterfinal. Mm. But there is a, a sense that it's not quite business as usual. There's more sort of steel and solidity than there is Samba there. Is that a more effective Brazil, or should they go back to their traditions?
2: Well, I mean, you're saying that, but I mean, Neymar is all Samba and yeah. no steel, isn't he? You know, it's, yeah. uh, there's not a great deal of balance there. At times, they look short of ideas going forwards, and Neymar is very selfish on the ball. You know, he's not opening up for other people. I think they're fairly limited, Brazil. Um, I, I've been disappointed with them so far. The defence is more solid than some of the Brazil teams in the past, but I also think the vulnerable you can get at them, I don't see Brazil winning
3: it. They're a more European side than they've ever been, which is, mm. you know, you would mm. imagine, because so many of them, I know for years they've been playing over here, a lot of the Brazil players, but it's almost like generations now are, they're not even getting to a certain age in Brazil before they come over to Europe to start mm. playing, so they're losing a lot of that, that flair and a lot of the, the, the well, flamboyant the, nature the The, of the
2: 94 sides were, were pretty grim really mm. you know so sort of in brazilian terms you know didn't have the, the that like sort of that that, the, 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 the flair. Yeah, yeah you know those, um, so i mean it's it's not it's not unprecedented but i don't see this team being as solid and
3: as uh and working for each other as much as in 1914. yeah I, I think belgium have got a real chance the individuals that belgium have got in this game are, are to a man Neymar aside, and, and maybe mm. Coutinho. Mm. Would you rather have Coutinho or Kevin De Bruyne in your side? Coutinho or Eden Hazard in your side? You know they have got the talent to match them.
1: De Bruyne hasn't been at his normal level though, has no, he? No, I mean he's, well he's,
3: he's playing slightly out of position, isn't he? He's playing in a, a bit more of a reserved role than than, uh, and doesn't quite have the license mm. that, that that Pep Guardiola gives him at Manchester City. But I think Hazard. You know, I know he's not. He's probably not. Ignited the way we know he can, but I still think he's played at a really good level as well. And I'm very excited to see him playing against the Brazilian defence because I think he will he will have opportunities. And and for for someone like Lukaku, you know, a, a bulldozer of a man to to go up against Thiago Silva, I think that will be one of the mm. great matchups in in the whole of this World Cup finals because that will really tell us the level that. The cock is operating at at the moment.
2: Well, I mean, again, uh, hazards like Sterling. we were talking about him earlier on. Even when he's not, doesn't appear to have, be having a good game. When he picks up the ball, people flock towards him. They're scared of him. Yeah. You know, they're going to at least double up on him and probably for a third man, and suddenly the space opens.
3: And De Bruyne's going to have a big game sooner rather than later. You just know that, don't you? You well, know he's, he's, not going to, he's, he's not going to stay quiet forever. In well, the, against the Japan, the, oh, the last you know, goal. Yeah. The
2: minute he yeah. picked that ball up, you yeah. were like, oh, here we go. Yeah. When he does that... What about broad terms? I
1: know you went to see Roberto Martinez before they, yeah. they left. I'll have to put my hands up. I'm not convinced by him. And been hailed for his substitutions in that Japan game, but I didn't see he had any option. Mm-hmm. Is that a potential weakness?
3: Uh, no, look, I mean, I, I, again, I'm probably slightly biased because I, I've spent a bit of time with him and you, you listen to someone talking and it's very easy to. He invented uh, football? <laughs> uh, no, I'll th- I th- I tell you what, he is
1: I one of those managers. I, I think he's one of the, you, know, you, you know, I did a, an interview with him for a book and I had two hours with him and you go away from that interview thinking, oh, that was great. And then you transcribe the tape. And it's just words. I just look at his substance, and I wonder where it no,
3: is. No, I, I, I disagree with that. I mean, I, you know, you, you probably spent longer with him. I, I had sort of forty-five minutes with him, and and I I, I went through, and I've, I've managed to get a good few pieces out of it. And I, I I find him a very interesting character. I can understand some of the grievances that Everton fans had with him at times, but I, I think I, I think you look at the statistics. Uh, you know, he, he improved Everton during his time with the club, and 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 I think I think working with a group of players like the Belgians have got at the moment is not as easy as perhaps you'd think you know you'd think well we've got all these great individual talents but you've got to make them got to make them this team and I, I don't think I think sometimes you can have too many flair or too many quality players and sometimes you just need the absolute workhorses the lads who are willing to do the dog work at the back and and mm. and they haven't always got that in this Belgium side but I, I think you know look they're they're, they're at a quarterfinal against Brazil and if he wins that game I, I think there can be few questions for him, then. I,
1: I would hazard a guess that Vincent Company is a very influential figure in that dressing room. Let's put it like that.
2: Oh, without a doubt. i talking about Martin, as one international manager said of him, he said, like, I, I want him to speak at my funeral because he'll convince everyone I'm alive. <laughs> um, and and there, there is that element to... And um...
3: I, know, I know that he does, yeah. he does have that. There's no... He's, everyone can see that. But I, I'm, I just... I think... Yes, Vincent Company will be very vocal. I think De Bruyne will be. I think Hazard will be. This, these are the big characters. And I, I think sometimes the greatest management style will be to just actually mm. let them get on with it with, mm. with a little word here and there. It doesn't always have to be about the manager being this central figure.
1: Mm. Yeah. Can I just pop back to Neymar for a second? Because you know there are some pretty well-sourced reports, it seems, this morning that Real Madrid are going to pay €272 million Euro for him. His talent's unquestionable. His temperament drives me mad and probably countless millions mad. When you look at him, is he the epitome of what a footballer, a modern footballer has become? A bit of a show pony.
2: Yeah, an, an awful lot of a show pony. I mean, clearly, he's got all the ability in the world. And 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 to be fair, I've only seen him live, oh, what, half a dozen times. But on none of those occasions has he particularly impressed me. On the ball, he's got the talent. His movement off the ball isn't great. His decision-making isn't great. There's almost a, you know, it's... um he thinks his talent will carry him through, and it probably will. And you know, and everyone will love him. He'll be a uh, he'll be a superstar for his entire career. But you know what? There's no
3: generosity of spirit about him. There's no. It reminds me a bit of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Then, and I agree with you. I've never seen him live and thought. I get what all the fuss is about. It's not like yeah. watching Messi or Ronaldo live yeah. when it, it just smacks you in the face. Occasionally, you have to go looking for it a bit with Neymar. Yeah. And, and it's clear, he has clearly got everything in the locker. But this whole trying to run games with his mouth rather than running games with the feet, when he's mm. got the capability to do that, you, you just want to tell him, just forget all the histrionics, Just get on with it. Forget the silly little dives, you know. Yeah. Stay on your feet and you'll, you'll get even more goals. But the, the the Real Madrid move, I mean, this has been talked about for the last year, wasn't it? There was always mm. the suggestion that you can't go straight from Barcelona to Real Madrid these days, mm. so PSG was the perfect sort of holding zone for him, and then off he'd go. So if Ronaldo's move to Juventus is to come in, then mm. Neymar would be one hell of a replacement for him.
1: Just a bit, yeah.
2: And and character is a pretty underestimated thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean that um I'd say that the Real are probably the losing Cristiano, who is probably one of the best one off game on cup game players in the, the entire history of the sport is fantastic and you can't doubt his mental toughness and uh, and the, the, if they get Neymar they'll be getting a whole heap of mental weakness
1: mm-hmm. Some questions to to finish from the, the viewers and listeners we'll start with um, Craig Griffiths Tom if you want to fill this one Now we're in the last eight is this a successful World Cup if so does that release Southgate from any pressure he might feel by being the highest ranked team in our side of the competition.
3: Yeah, I think, I think the quarterfinals is a, a successful World Cup. I don't think there's any two ways about that. I, I know, I think if you'd have asked everyone before the start of the tournament and, and you know, people were giving an honest answer, an honest appraisal rather than a, a tub thumping their hopes, uh, I think people would have said, look, let's get out of the group stages, maybe win the last 16 game. Uh, certainly, if we're going to lose the last 16 game, we're going to have to do it fighting against a, a really great side in the tournament. But if we can get through that and we get to the quarterfinals, then you have to say it has been a job well done. And, and I think I think whatever happens now, I'm talking to people at the weekend and they were saying, oh, you know, should we have got... Would we have been better getting Japan than, than Colombia? But for me, if we'd gone home from a World Cup having beaten Tunisia, Panama, lost to Belgium and then uh, either lost to Japan or even beaten Japan... It wouldn't have told me anything new about this team. It wouldn't have told me anything that I don't already know. Whereas now, I look at it and I think we've got past Colombia and we've got past them on penalties. So it has told me something new about them. It's told me that they've got this mental Mm. edge, the ability to create their own history, as Gareth Southgate said. And I think whatever happens in the next game, providing, actually, no, I I was going to say whatever happens, (laughs) they'll they'll come home and it'll be well done. I think we have to put in a fighting performance. I think there will be disappointment if we lose to Sweden, though.
2: I, I kind of disagree. It, it, I, I mean, I've been saying with the pace he's got, I've been saying for two years, if I had that much pace and I was the manager, I'd take them to the semi-finals. There's not a, a lot of great teams in international football at the moment. Mm. You know what? Semi-final, bare minimum for me. Yeah. Would you have said that before the competition? I, I, I've said it on here how many you times?
1: Oh, okay. You certainly did. You obviously you know, answered David Kershaw's question where he's saying we're going out in the quarters being considered a massive failure. I'll just try and nuance that question a bit about the media reaction you know we've all been in the past when there've been England disappointments and everyone has piled in if England do lose what will be the reaction in our newspapers on our
2: airwaves I think there'll be there'll be certain voices that will be shrill and strident going out at this level is per slightly poor per per and there'll be people who will go mad but I think one of the, the, the things is the way Gaut Southgate is done things over the past few months, he's likeable. There's a lot of players in the squad who are likeable. And it's harder to write about and criticise people that you like than it is people who you, you don't like. I mean, you know, it's. Uh, I, I don't think we'll see Southgate uh, mocked up as a vegetable on the back <laughs> of a page. One of the things is, which people don't realise, the, the, the press pack who follow England are so desperate for England to win. Mm. And there's have so much emotional investment on it. People think they want England to lose. Couldn't be further from the truth. Mm. They, they desperately want England to win. And I think sometimes that desperation for them to win and the disappointment mm. manifests itself on what seems to be irrational criticism. But I think there will be a more rational treatment of England if they lose. Having said that, if they lose to Sweden,
3: if they probably could do with a bit of a kick. If, if they lose badly. But I think I think what this whole tournament's done now is given England hope. And you said mm, yourself, yeah. the Undercooked, in two years, I think it's given us a bit of belief that, OK, we've got the monkey off the back in terms of the penalty shootout. Mm. We can go with a bit more confidence, a bit more belief, and a, and a bit more hope and enjoyment about it, rather than thinking that everything's just going to be the same old, same old every time we turn in, up for a tournament.
2: In this tournament, you haven't heard the phrase... The, the weight of the shirt, you know, that's disappeared. And that's in part because of Southgate. Yeah, and changed the narrative a bit, yeah, not it? and said. also in part because they're a young team, they're not jaundiced, they haven't got that cynicism, you know, where they've been through the tournaments, it's all gone wrong. And, the, the, and they're an egocentric team. The England teams of recent vintage had too many players who wanted the side building around them. Mm. There isn't a lot of that going on here. Yeah. Craig Bowker
1: asked, could the bigger nations... Learn from the smaller nations on how to develop players with limited resources?
3: Yeah, obviously. I, I mean, one of my favourite performances at, at the World Cup was Iran's against Spain. I, mm-hmm. I, they just completely changed my opinion of, of what their football would be like and what it could be like um, and, and I think a lot of credit needs to go to the smaller nations for uh, for, for everything they've done at, at these finals I think it's I hope we're going to see in, in uh, the not too distant future a team from Africa winning the tournament a team from Asia winning the tournament because it has just showed that if you put your faith in, in a development system and give people time and, mm. and uh, let it come together uh, it can work very well.
1: It's the final one at Daniel Stone himself says it's a fantasy question. Which England player from any era would you transport into the team to better our chances at this World Cup?
3: Oh, great question.
2: Yeah, very good question. Uh, well, uh, just sort of thinking about it, you think, well, Bobby Charlton to give them thrust in the midfield, given the, the way they've set up, given the, the the weaknesses, I put Tony Adams in, right in the middle, an organizer, a leader, a defender.
3: I'd like to see Brian Robson in there, I think. You know, someone really rolling the sleeves up and driving them forward from midfield and, and, and be, behind three lads who we know are very creative, getting them to be as creative as they can be. Mm. He dislocates his shoulders <laughs> just before <laughs> half-time. First game and then, ugh,
2: you know... Yeah.
1: I'd love to see but, the yeah. serenity of, of Bobby Moore at the back, to be honest. Yeah.
3: Oh, look, we, we could, I mean, Gr- you yeah. Yeah, imagine putting yeah. Greavesy up front and saying, there yeah. you go, there's, there's, there's five chances, Jimmy. Well, I'd, you'd win the World Cup, wouldn't I it? Mean, I mean,
2: I, I think they're all great calls, but, you know, it's, um, I think people forget how good Brian Robson was. Yeah. Really top class. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So, finally, it's prediction time. We'll work out whether you think England will get to the semi-final. <laughs> I want your
2: last four, please. I think England and Croatia will uh, be on one side. I think France uh, uh, will go through. I uh, Belgium, despite Martinez. not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, if you've got Belgium in, who
1: else? Yeah,
3: Belgium. Uh, I think France will beat Uruguay. I hope England will beat Sweden. And yes, uh, Cro- Croatia has <sighs> got to beat the I'd, Russia I'd love, I love Croatia uh, one of the great countries on the planet uh, but I, I, I think Russia I, I just think I'd fancy Croatia all the way through this tournament until the last 16 game and they just, it was almost as if they'd peaked too soon Russia, whole nation behind them I think they might just have the edge
1: Well I'm going for France uh, my original choice as cup winners Brazil, Croatia and England but you'd best prepare for penalties Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writer's Podcast.
0: Hold up. What was that?